Right. So last week we we spoke on we spoke on the prophetic word and we spoke on what it means to seek the kingdom of God first. And our message for now, I think maybe two or three months, is the message on promotion. And what is God's perspective on promotion? And our, our scripture that we started off with was from, I think, from the book of Psalms. I think it's Psalm 78, uh, where it says, uh, promotion doesn't come from the north or the east or the west, but God sits as a judge. And he sets down one and he sets up another. So, which means that when it comes to promotion, what does God do? He sits as a judge. That means he judges your work on promotion. So, you can't pull strings. If you understand what I'm saying, you can't... um, In this case, it's not who you know. It's by Kirseons... Many times we say, it's who you know. And for, for a believer, it's most, no, I know God the Father. I come in most unveil, daso. Right? But what God says, when it comes to promotion, I am judging your work. I will set down and I will set up. In other words, I'll promote and I'll demote or I'll just keep you where you are. Right? So, and uh, so we were looking at those things and... And when we talk about promotion, we're talking about, number one, deal with covetousness, okay? Sort out covetousness in your heart. And that we spoke about, and I don't want to go back there. I want to move on. And uh, so we spoke about covetousness. And then we spoke about, eventually, seeking the kingdom of God, right? Seeking the, what does that mean? And... uh, so go with me to First Timothy chapter six verse one. So before we go into principles uh, of how you should do your work, we want to look at why are you at your work. Okay, um, and this is important. First Timothy chapter six verse one. This is so important because if we don't know why we are there, we might be there for the wrong reason. And if you're there for the wrong reason, then, then obviously uh, you're in conflict of interest with the Lord. Right? Or another way to say that is, uh, you and the Lord's will are in conflict. You desire, your desires are opposing each other. Like the Bible says in Galatians, the desires of the flesh is opposed to the desires of the Spirit. Okay? Right, so he says, Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. So the, the word blaspheme means to speak evil. Okay? So in other words, let them not speak evil of the doctrine of God, and let them not speak evil of the name of God. Right? So, um, so what it says here, in other words, when you go to your workplace, 
the name of God is on you. You carry, you bear the name of God. Especially because we are all in a hurry to say, I'm a Christian. We are all in a hurry to say, uh, to want to talk maybe about Jesus or those type of things. But when we go into the workplace, that is not first things that we should do. Firstly, we need to understand why we are going there. Okay? The name of God. Now, go with me to Genesis chapter 1 verses 26. Let's just talk about this name. Genesis 1 verses 26. Okay, Genesis 1 verses 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, God created man, that's you and I, to be His image. What does, the, what does it mean? The word image mean? It means to be His representative. Right? It means to be His shadow. It means to put, it means to make something visible or something seen. When there's an image, you see something. When there's an image, you see something. Right? So what that means is that whether you, whether you realize it or not, you are an image. Maybe you're not the image of God. Maybe you don't put God on display. Maybe you put your, the rejection on display. Maybe you put your idol on display. Maybe you put Michael Jackson on display. Or 50 cents. Or maybe you put um, America's Hollywood stars on display. The other day I was driving past someone and he was sitting solo. All I saw was the head sticking out, driving in his Audi and I was thinking, that's America. That didn't come from the African continent. That came from Hollywood. That down here, seat way back. So, what I'm saying by that is, you've got to understand, you're the image, whether you know it or not. You put things on display. You've got to understand that. The realm of the flesh is the realm where you make things visible, seen. Okay, so you have to think about that. And God said, I don't want you to be the image of idolatry, I want you to be the image of me. Okay? So if you're not revealing God, either you're revealing some beastly nature or you're revealing some celestial being or you're revealing yourself. You all understand that. That's why God said don't make an image of anything in the heavens or in the earth. So and that's what we call a graven image. A graven image 
is when in the New Testament, in the Old Testament we know it was physical things, but in the New Testament a graven image is when you reveal something else other than God. Right? How did I get that? Of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18. Just give me that one quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18. Okay. There's a scripture in Galatians chapter 4 where it says, Until Christ be formed in you. Okay. So where is the formation of Christ taking place? In you. Inside. Right. In this one it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, by seeing, okay, by seeing, I produce a formation, I transform. What does transform mean? It means I take on another form. That's what transform means. To take on another form. So, how did I take on another form? I had to behold. I had to look. I had to see. Whatever I am seeing, I am transforming into. That is just a general principle. So whether you're not seeing Jesus, but you're seeing something else, you're transforming into it. That's why I gave you, early on in the year, I gave you the simple example of Michael Jackson. As people behold Jackson, they produce the formation of Michael Jackson. Later on we see they change their voices. They change their clothes. They change the way they walk. They are, what are they doing? They being the image, not of God, but of Michael Jackson. So you reveal things whether you know it or not. Do you understand? Okay. So, and when you transform, and when there is a formation, then there's an image. Then we are changing to the same image. And when we use the word image, we say, now something is seen. Okay. Salamu met me. So, if I am producing Michael Jackson until Michael Jackson is formed in me, then I'm producing a graven image. It's an image other than God. So that's idolatry. Right? That's idolatry. God said, don't make any other image. So our image in the kingdom of God is Christ. Christ. Okay. So you got to understand. So when we say the name now, you can't be the image of God without, without the glory of God. Without the glory of God. When God said, let us make man in our image, he automatically knew he had to share his glory with you. He had to give you his glory. Right? What is his glory? His glory is just a word that summarizes all the different expressions of God. 
So for example, God said to Moses, God said to Moses, show me your glory. And God, what did God show him? That he is long-suffering. That he is patient. That he is gracious. That he is kind. That is God's glory. So the nature of God is God's glory. Okay? met me. So, Right? So, if you understand that. So, if I carry the glory and I am the image, if I am to be the image, I must have the glory of God. And when the glory of God through this image is displayed, then there is a name of God revealed. Okay? The name of God. I'll give you another scripture just now to make it a little bit more um, simple. Okay? So, the image of God bears the name of God. Okay? The image of God bears the name of God. Now we want to come, we want you to understand the calling of God upon your life. What is your calling? We are all searching for a calling. And in the, in the previous season, in the previous season, the only people that had callings, okay, was those who were in fivefold ministry. The rest of us wondered what we, the rest of us were waiting for Jesus to return. Right? Okay? While the fivefold ministry does all the work, they have the calling. Right? And the way the prophets prophesied was if they saw someone. And they say, you have called to be an evangelist. He say, there's a calling upon your life. Now, so they prophesy over one person, there's a calling. And the rest of us wondered, I wonder if God called me. But when we study the scriptures, we see that we are all called. What is our calling? Our calling is to be his image. Our calling is to be an image. Now at first, that doesn't sound very great. Serious. Just to say God called you to be his image doesn't sound very great. But the more you stay there, the more you abide in that understanding, the more you abide in that knowledge, the more value it gets to you, the more you begin to understand that So what does that mean? That means that in your workplace, you are there to represent God. Okay? What is your calling? Wherever you find yourself, you are there to represent God. You are there to be His image. That means, that means that the knowledge of God to the other person has to come through you. You are the one that brings the knowledge of God to people. 
Why? Because you put God on display. So you need to understand that you are called to be his representative. You're not there to make profit. You're there to represent him. You'll get profit, but that is not the goal. The goal is I am here to represent God. I am here to bring an accurate display of who God is. That's why I say you've got to understand why are you there. If you don't understand that, then you're missing it. You have to understand that you are there to represent God. Okay? So now we need to look at another scripture, which is very interesting. Let me just see. This is... I want to give this one to you. Matthew 5.16 Matthew 5.16 So this is for all the lazy people. Okay? If you're lazy because listen let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What is light? Light is revelation. Light is the divine knowledge of God. Light is revelation concerning the things that God has hidden. That's light. That's why in Genesis 1, on the first day, God said, let there be light. On the fourth day, God created the sun. Remember? So, sun only came on the fourth day. What was the first light? And the Hebrew word means illumination. So light is illumination, enlightenment. Okay? So God's saying, you must take your revelation and then you must put it into your works because when you put it into your works, then others see and your Father is glorified. So in other words, man was created to work. Because if you don't work, you can't put it on display. You have to take light and put it into works so that others can see and the Father is glorified. Okay? Now, whether that, good, whether that works is showing love to someone or whether that works is the way I do my work at work, I am called to work the light. Put it on display so that others can see. Do you all understand that? So, so therefore, you can't do nothing. You gotta work. Okay? You have to work. Light, so the revelation that you get, so if we take later on as we look at Joseph and Daniel and we take the principles out of them, if you don't take that light and put it into your work, at work, 
then it will never be seen the light then Jesus said light do you put light under a bushel do you put light under a bed no it's not meant to put under the bed and be hidden it's meant to be put on the 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 table or somewhere so that it gives light to everyone what was he saying he was saying don't get the revelation and just keep it in here and never bring it out into works that's what he was saying if you don't take that light and bring it out into works so that all can see then it gives light to everyone then you're putting it under the bed then you're putting it under a bushel you are hiding the light you all you all understand what I'm saying so what what am I saying I'm saying here that the name of God you carry the name so if you don't submit or honor your master or your boss your CEO or the supervisor over you the people who are over you if you don't honor them and respect them and submit to them and be obedient then the Bible says then the name of God gets blasphemed and they speak evil of the doctrine of God you see that why that's why that's why everyone says why because we carry his name my my children carry my name they just do I mean as I say as a big stout as I say the pastor sickness pastor sickness do you understand what I'm saying um, I'm giving you the principle of we carry the name of our father so the first thing you have to realize is when you're going into your workplace you are there to carry his name you are a representative of God whether you whether you sweeping floors or whether you managing a company doesn't matter which position you find yourself you are a representative of God which means that you have direct access to God okay are you all with me if you don't understand if you, you got to get that into your into your mind you are a represent the first thing you are called to do in that workplace is represent God accurately God made man to be his image that is your first calling that is your most important calling that calling is more important than the other one the other one only supports that calling so when God says I call you I call you to be a teacher that's only the field or the area or the sphere in which you are to represent God do you understand that so I must understand that I'm called to represent God I'm here to make God known okay Colossians 1 15 Colossians 1 15 
Okay? So it says here, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of over all creation. So, he's the image of the invisible God. Now, we've explained this many times ago. What this means is that Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God. Because that's what Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says. He is the brightness of His glory and He is the express image of His person. That means Christ is the one that, puts, that makes God visible. Okay? So, He is the manifestation of the hidden God. So, in other words, God cannot be seen without the image. God cannot be made known without you. So that's why, also in Colossians, this is verse 15, I think verse 27, 28, it says that he, Paul says, that I might make known unto the Gentiles the riches of God's glory, which is Christ in you. So when I have Christ, I now have the potential to reveal God, to make the invisible God visible. If I have Christ in me, I now have the potential to make the invisible God visible. Okay? I have now received who is Christ? The riches of God's glory. So Christ in me means I've received the wealth of God's glory. The riches of God's glory. God's riches is in me. And that riches of His glory is called Christ. I'm excited to get into the workplace, but I want to... I, we must get this one. Why are you at the workplace? To represent God. Like when an ambassador comes from his country into Namibia, an ambassador of South Africa comes into Namibia, he's here to represent his government. Right? And he has to make sure that he represents the constitution of his government, that he represents the ideas and all the things of his government accurately in the place to which he is sent. Okay? You are a representative. That means the knowledge of God is coming through you. Okay? The knowledge of God is coming through you. So, let's Go back to Genesis 1.26. So God's name gets spoken evil of because of us. It's us. Okay, I'll show you just now a scripture that, that will show you that the scripture in the Old Testament where after Solomon 
finished building the temple, he was talking to God and God answered him and said, I have hallowed this house and I've put my name on it. Who's the temple in the New Testament? Us. So God says, I hallow, I sanctify, I separate this house, the temple, and I put my name on it. You are the carrier of his name. Right? What did I say here? Okay. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion. So, the next thing is you are to have dominion, rule. And the word dominion there means to reign. It means to rule. It means to subdue. It means to tread down. Okay? So in other words, God wants you to rule. God wants you to subdue. That's why the, that's why the famous quote, you are the head and not the tail, you are above and not beneath. We, we like to quote those scriptures for ourselves and it's true. God created you not to be the tail, but to be the head. God created you not to be beneath, but to be above. But again, He sends you to your workplace for sweeping, only to teach you how to come into rule. And then to represent Him accurately because if your representation of God or if if your understanding of God is confused, then your dominion displays that confusion. Right? Your dominion, because it's make man in our image and let them have dominion. So in other words, if I reveal God wrong, let's take a simple example. Let's say, I understand God as an angry God. I view God through Moses. And all I can see with God is that He's always angry. He's always finding fault. He's always looking for problems. He's always lashing at your sins. And He always wants, and it always feels like He wants to wipe you out. So that's my understanding. That's my view. That's my sight of God. Then I portray God like that. So now I also condemn. Now I also are finding fault with you the whole time. Looking at your sin. And so if I had to be a, the pastor that had that viewpoint, you would have said another sin. You would have said God's always angry. So my, my rule would have been, later would have become oppressive. It then, so my view of God filters in to my dominion. That's why last week I said to you, the kingdom of God takes on the nature of the king. If the king is wicked, that kingdom will be wicked. 
But if the king is righteous, then you will have a righteous kingdom. If the king is just, then the kingdom will express the justice of God, of that king. Because that king, when he functions, he will function in justice and everything in his kingdom will be fair, will be equal. There will not be injustice. What is yours is yours. Do you understand that? So my view of God influences the way I rule. So we are called to rule. You all understand that? Those are the two things in Genesis chapter 1 that God says, let us make man for this reason. So if you go to your workplace and you don't go with that mindset, you go for your eating, your drinking, and your clothing. But you don't seek the kingdom. See, you then your work is not putting him on display. Your work is for all the other things. You're, you're, are you all with me? Okay. So, it's important for you to see that. Okay. It's important for you to take note of that. You are called to make God visible. Ephesians 1 verses 11 and 12. We're all searching for calling. We have a call. We must put him on display. We must make him visible. Ephesians 1 verses 11 to 12. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his will. That we, sh that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Okay? That we should be to the praise of his glory. So what does that mean? That doesn't mean singing songs. That means someone else should be singing the song because of you. That's what that means. So it doesn't mean I sing the song. It means you sing the song. You praise God because I was to the praise of his glory. As I made him visible, you thank God. So it's, it's like when you're in a, you'd like to watch a soccer match or something like that. You go to the stadium, you watch the soccer match and the guy scores a goal. That everyone shouts. Everyone is praising Him. Right? But we were created to glorify God. So that doesn't mean that I have to praise Him. It means I must put God on, in such, on such display that you will actually praise God because of that. And I'll give you some examples. Right? And so that, that might not have been whether that goes through a healing or whether that goes through the way you do your work. 
or solve problems, some may I get, when they recognize the source, they praise God. They praise God. Okay? They praise God. What is God's glory? His wisdom. It's also, God's glory is also His wisdom. The Bible says, in Christ is the riches of God's glory. But the Bible also says, in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Treasures. Riches of wisdom. Alright? So, Salama met me. Okay? So, you were created that you should be to the praise of His glory. Okay. Now, so what I said to you is, the image of God is responsible for the name of God. Okay? The image of God is responsible for the name of God. Okay? Any image of a God, any image, idol of a God, has the name of that God. When you see, what's that, what's that one from India or the Buddha, the one that sits like this, with the, like a round, groot magi, nie meine nie nie, okay, and he sits there in, like this, and then you see this image of a God, and then you call it what? Buddha, that's the name of the God, right? So an image does carry the name of the God. Or of God. Do you understand that? So the image is responsible for the name of God. Okay? Okay, so let's go to Exodus 34, verses 6. You're going to have to meditate on this um, so that it can get to you. Okay? Um, Exodus 34 verse 6. This is Exodus chapter 34 or 33 is is what Lisa? Moses said. Yeah, it's Lisa's favorite chapter. Okay. Exodus 34 is where God now decides to show Moses his glory. And he goes out in to show his glory. And then obviously in verses 1, it says, God said to Moses, come up to this mountain, bring your two-tone tablets, okay? And I explained to you, that's your heart and your mind in the New Testament, because where is the law now written? Not on physical stones, but on fleshly tables of heart. So bring your mind, bring your heart, come up here, come talk to God, okay? Why? Because you use image, so you must have direct access. That's why... The New Testament concept of let us go into the Holy of Holies is actually not a new test, a new idea. It was always God's idea that all of those whom He created should have direct access to Him, not only a high priest. So when He said, You are my image, He said, You must have access to me. How must you put me on display if you can't access me and you don't know me? You must have personal relationship. Okay? So, and then, anyway, he comes down to the mountain, or he comes up to the mountain, and then the Bible says, and the Lord began to explain 
show him his glory. Now, when you say show me your glory, you mean feel, I want to feel something. God, Moses never said I want to feel your glory. Moses said I want to see your glory. Okay? For us, that means someone falling over. But when God showed Moses his glory, what did he say? He said, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. The word proclaim means to preach. It also means to utter, to say. That's what proclaim means. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Okay? Abounding in goodness and truth. So that was his glory. So how did Moses see the glory? God used the eye of his understanding. So that he could see. So God communicated to him by knowledge who he is. So when you want to see the glory, God has to speak to you about who he is. If God doesn't speak to you about who he is, you're not seeing his glory. You might have felt something, but you have not yet seen. Okay? That's why you can fall over and have seen nothing. You just felt something, but you saw nothing. And if you saw nothing, you won't change. You won't change. Because it says we must see the glory, and so we are transformed into the same image. So transformation comes by seeing. Michael Jackson didn't make you fall over, but just staring at him long enough made you transform into him. Michael Jackson didn't have an altar call. Say, let me lay my hands on you so that you can change and be my representation out there. How do people come to know Michael Jackson? Because the, his representatives, his image is putting him on display, making him known. His ambassadors that principle works whether you're not doing it if you're not doing it for God you're doing it for somebody else you are that's why that's why you've got to have such a focus on God and such a focus on Christ okay so but what I want to say to you is the Lord passed by for him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God and give me verse 5 give me verse 5 Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. In other words, God's name is in, God's name carries the revelation of his glory. The knowledge of his glory. So for example, so for example, God is, a, God is healing. God is life. God is resurrection. God is many different things. Provider. But he uses that name to describe his glory. Okay? I'm actually going a long way just to just so that you can believe me when I say you carry his name. 
you carry his name. Do you understand that? Okay. So, he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And he said, the Lord, the Lord God, gracious. That's the name. So the names. So in gracious is the revelation of God's glory. So when God's glory is put on display, then there is a name communicated. Do you see that? A name is communicated. Again, I'm saying that to bring you back to the point, why are you at work? To represent God. But why, now I must ask you the question, why are you there? Don't use this one. Why did you go there at first? Why did you go to work? A better lifestyle? Something you wanted? Why do you want promotion? Not to represent him. You want a promotion for something else. Why did you go to work? Why do you get up every morning? Is it to represent him? Or is it, are you working for something else? Or is your works representing the God from whom you come? So you need to change your motive. You need to get the motive right. Then he'll say, Amen. <laughs> okay. Do you understand that? Why are you, why? You must ask yourself that question. Maybe the facilitators can ask you all those questions. Why did you work? Why are you working? Why do you get up in the morning? Why do you go there? To make sure you have bread on your table. To make sure your fridge is full. To make sure you pay your bills. Jesus said, don't worry about that. He said, seek the kingdom. In other words, he said, don't use all your spinning and toiling. Okay, what is spinning and toiling? Work. Don't let all your work be for the clothing. Leave that to God and work to put light on display so that the Father is glorified. The Father must be glorified in your work. Okay? You need to understand that. That's not the reason why you went there. That's not the reason why you spin and toil. Why are you toiling? You are there. Your work is to represent. You use work to represent God. You use work to reveal God. You use work to put God on display. That's why you use work. Jesus spoke about work a lot. He said, the work that the Father gave me to do. If you don't believe me, believe at least my work. 
Because the Father is glorified in the work. Okay? You all see that? So why do you work? You got to understand that. Why are you working? Okay. So. Give me 1 Kings chapter 9 verses 3. 1 Kings chapter 9 verses 3. You see what did we say? What is God doing? God is searching out the intent of your heart. God is searching out the motive of your heart. It's important to point that out. Okay? 1 Kings chapter 9 verses 3. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which is the temple, which you have built to put my name there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So why did Solomon build God a house, a temple? Is to put God's name there. Okay? Is to put his name there. So in other words, in the New Testament, Paul comes and says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. So you are the house of God. Right? You are the house. Not the one in heaven. You. You are that house. So you are the temple. In others, what does that mean? That means that this body was built with the capacity to engage God. That means I don't need to leave. Okay? Amen. <laughs> Someone's listening to the message. <laughs> right? Right? When God said, You are the temple, He was saying, You don't need to leave your body to engage. That means you engage God inside this temple you go into the holy of holies you close the closet you shut yourself out from your environment and you enter in so you so i don't need to leave my body to visit with god i just need to stay right where i am you are the temple you are the place right What's the street address? Mother Lane. Master. That's the address for God's house. You don't need to leave. You know, this is the thing where people want to go visit. They want to leave their bodies. And what you, what's that word again? What you call it when you leave? Astro. Astral projection, leaving your body to go visit. Oh, the era was long class pasuk. Right? That was long class iman for the era. There was there was a very long time before someone visited Jesus. Don't you want to leave your body and go visit him? No, you missed the dwelling place. 
Genesis, not Genesis, John chapter 1 verses 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt. The word dwelt means tabernacled. It means put up his tent. Where was the tent of meeting? In the earth. Where is the tent of meeting? You're looking at it. Just turn to the right and to the left and just say, you're the tent of meeting. We are not going to go outside the city. You are the tent of meeting. Where is God? Please tell me. God is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in you. Right? Is that not what it says? You are the temple. So where, where must the glory be then? In the temple. And we call it Christ in you. The hope of glory. Of revealing that glory. Okay? So, you are the temple. Right? You are the meeting place. So, if someone wants to meet with God that is not saved, where must he go to? Not to the building. To you. Why? Because you are the address for God. That's why the book of Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 45, men shall come bow down before you and say, surely God is in you. Isaiah 45, surely God is in you. You are the temple. You are the house. Why am I saying that? Because wherever the house is, that's where the name is. Wherever the house is, that's where the name is. So when you go to the workplace, God's name is on you. So God's name, listen to this, is either hallowed by you or profaned by you. Okay, we'll, we'll explain that. Okay, give me Matthew chapter 6, verses 9. Oh, I like it. Vandaag gaan die tijd baie starig. Praise the Heere. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9. Okay. In, in this manner, therefore, pray our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed there in the Greek is a verb. So we got to hallow his name. What does hallow mean? It means to separate or to set him apart. Or to, to have a great esteem or respect for him. So when you pray, the first thing, one of the first things you need to have, you need to have, you need to have in your mind this idea you are apart. There is, you are God and none else. You are hallowed. There is none like you. Because the word profane means to treat as common. So in other words, 
There are many gods. Don't treat God as just another God. Like in the India, if you go to India. There are so many gods. It's just common to have a God. But God says, I want my name to be hallowed. I want to be set apart from every other God that there is. I want you to hallow my name. I want you to set me apart from other gods. You carry my name. Put me on display that they may say, surely this is the God. Hmm? And you can do that without doing a healing or a miracle. Okay, and, that, and uh, the, the people like, because we are talking about the workplace, okay? That's why I say it like it. Uh, that's why people like David, sorry, um, Joseph and Daniel and these type of people that um, put God on display and set him apart from other gods. They hallowed his name. They hallowed his name. No, you can do that in a school. You can hallow his name. You can set him apart. You can, you can put God on such display that the other children start looking, wanting your God. That they turn from their idols. But it's by how you stand. So firstly in your mind, hallowed be your name. There's no God like you. Tremendous high respect. Secondly, in me he must be hallowed. In me he must be set apart. Thirdly, I set him apart by putting him on display to others that this is God and none else. Selama met me. Okay? So, um, so what that means is if I hallow God's name, I bring honor to his name. Because hallow, one of the meanings of hallow means to create respect. The actual word they used there was venerate, but venerate means to respect means to create a high honor for. Okay? Salamu met me. You've got to understand your calling. You have to understand your call. What is your call? To be his image. To be his representative. First priority in workplace is to represent God. First priority. First priority at school, represent God. 
first priority, wherever you find yourself, represent God. Why did you go there? Why are you working? Priority. That which must be done first. Okay. So, take me back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 1. So in other words, when God wants to bring honor to his name, he uses man to do it. But now in this case, because since the fall from Genesis, in this case it's the church. The church, all of us, all of us. Okay, back to this one. Let as many bondservants are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all, honor so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed so either you are hallowing his name or you are profaning his name or you are causing them to blaspheme to speak evil of his name why because his name is on you you carry his name if you carry his name the way you work will either cause them to praise God for someone like you or to hate the God that you serve because of you. That they will say, That the owner of that company say, I don't want Christians. Do you all understand that? Okay. So, so give me Genesis chapter 41 verses 38 to 40. Genesis chapter 41 verses 38 to 40. This is the story where Joseph comes out of prison and he has to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Look at that. He brought an awareness of God. A knowledge of God. Next one. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. So look at the recognition that comes to God. You all see that? Next one. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled. Dominion. Dominion, rule, according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. But even though Pharaoh had the throne, Joseph taught him. 
Joseph was his father. The Bible says that Joseph fathered Pharaoh. That's what the Bible says. So he had the throne. But Joseph was saying what you should do. He was his mentor. So here is Jesus' great commission. Go and disciple the nations. Joseph is discipling that nation. What, is it, what does it mean to disciple? Make them a follower of. So what are they doing? They're following Joseph's word. They're obeying his laws. Do you see that? So what did Joseph do? He set God apart from all other gods because all the other wise men couldn't answer, couldn't interpret Pharaoh's dream. And they represented their gods. And Joseph came along, interpreted the dream and set his God apart from all other gods. He hallowed the name of God. Okay? Exodus 9.16 Exodus 9.16 but indeed for this purpose have I raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. So Moses went, God, Moses went and Pharaoh was there who did not know Joseph and he was there and God displayed himself through Moses, the image, in such a way that his name would fill the earth. So that, when he come, so that when this Israelites would come to the, to the land of Canaan, a Jericho. What's the lady's name? Rahab. The harlot would say, we heard of your God. And they say, there is fear in our hearts because of your God. What did they do? Here they, through Moses, God set, hallowed, his name. That people would say, Da is he a God, so God. So what must you see? You must see that you are called to glorify God. That is purpose. Call. Purpose and calling. Okay? I'll just give you one more and then we will we will uh, just stop there. I think we will anyway have to repeat or just say it differently what we are saying today. Okay. Give me Daniel chapter 2 verses 46 to 47.
So if you don't understand your calling, then you'll work for the eating and the drinking. You gotta understand your call. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel. Okay, Daniel chapter 2 is where Daniel interprets the dream. So I'm a little ahead of myself, but this is where you've got, this is where you've now got to learn not to use your spiritual gifts just here. This is the only place we sometimes want to use our gifts. You've got to use your spiritual gifting out there in the workplace. Okay, but not be weird. Okay, Jesus was very normal. Oh, and he was in the spirit. If, there's, if you want to study someone who was in the spirit, study Jesus. Please. He walked normally. When he was in the spirit, he didn't go weird. When he was in the spirit, he didn't make noise. He just said, I just told you what God said. He was normal. Okay? So in your workplace, be normal when you use your spiritual gifts. Okay? Otherwise, they might think you're doing a Zulu dance or something. Okay? Be normal. Okay? You say, prostrate before them and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. Next one. And king, and the king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal the secret. He set, he hallowed God. He set him apart from all the other Babylonian gods. Babylon's got many gods. And Daniel comes along and sets God apart from them. And by doing that, he, he made Nebuchadnezzar bow to him. Bible says he fell prostrate before him while Daniel is standing. And he said, surely, come on, Daniel is to the praise of the glory of his grace. Come on, someone else is praising God because of man who's made in the image of God. There was no guitar. There was no keyboard. But there was worship in the place. There was worship. There was a reverence. There was a kissing of the God. He, he found the temple of God. Pharaoh said to Joseph, the spirit of God is in you, the temple. See, you got to rewire ourselves. Huh? You see that? Hallow his name. Truly God, your God, is the God. And then Nebuchadnezzar had no respect for the other gods. 
God was set apart, hallowed. And eventually, obviously, Daniel began to disciple the people. Nebuchadnezzar listened to Daniel. You all understand what I'm saying? You see, you see the calling. Okay? So, I'll leave you again with this. I'll leave you again with that thought which I've shared with you every once in a while. If Adam never died, if Adam never sinned, there wouldn't have been sickness. There wouldn't have been rejection, poverty, curse, bondage, fear, death. So how would you then define Adam's reason for existence? Because he existed for quite a while before he sinned. How did he? He was the image. So my original call, my first call, is not to yield, but it's rather by yielding to put God on display. Because I am making God visible. First calling. What is your call? To represent God in your workplace. Please get that right. Amen? Amen? Amen. I'll leave you with that, but we will chat about it again. Amen?